Well, hey, Journey Church, welcome to House Church, and uh, it's going to be a great time this morning. What a great time of worship. I hope you guys participated in worship. Uh, now I just invite you just to get your Bibles out, maybe follow along on your phone, uh, and, and just follow along with us. Just, just shut everything else off and just, just zone in on this time with God right now. So I'm going to pray real quick, and then we'll get started. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives, even in moments like this, God. And, and, and as we're all gathered in our houses throughout uh, this area, God, we believe that as we pray and as we worship and as we hear your word preached, that it's not in vain, that you're going to be doing, doing something in our heart that your word goes forth and it produces fruit in our lives. And we just claim that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are continuing our series called The Path of the Exile. And this is like, I mean, guys, think about this. This is, I couldn't have planned this any better. This is like an illustrated sermon because we're all exiled to our houses. So this is an illustrated sermon right now, The Path of the Exile. And what I want to do is we're in 1 Peter chapter 4. And I was supposed to start off at the beginning of the chapter, but I, I really felt led to skip ahead that there's a right now word for us as we skip ahead and I'll come back and I'll hit the first part of the chapter. But I want to look at this verse in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. And it says this, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Has anybody been surprised lately? I'm like, wow, the scripture's already hitting me, you know, because I've been surprised at the things that have come our way. But I want you to understand these trials are not new. These situations and these trials have been happening uh, all throughout uh, anyone who's followed Jesus. These things have happened. Even, in fact, in the, first, or the second century in Rome, there were plagues in Rome. And, and it was said, I mean, thousands of people were dying. And it was said that, that everyone was fleeing away from the sick. And even the doctors at that time were fleeing away from the sick. And yet the Christians rushed in to take care of the sick. So even in a time like that in the second century, many of the Christians even died doing so. But there were so many people when the Christians stood up, when those who followed Jesus, they stood up to do what was right, even in the midst of a trial, that many people came to Christ as a result of it. And so we're, anytime I hear a story like that, I'm just like, man, that's, that's awesome. And we're kind of in a situation where it's actually the opposite of that. We don't want to rush in because we'd make the situation worse. But still, whenever I hear a story like that, I think this question, I'm like, man, would I do that? Would I rush in? Would I do the hard thing uh, when everyone else is doing the opposite thing? First Peter chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Let's continue on in this. It says, But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And so we're all in this time of what a lot of people would consider suffering. Now, I don't want to over-dramatize this. I, I'm, some of you guys have probably seen this meme out there, and it says this. Your grandparents were called to war. You're being called to sit on the couch. You can do this, right? And uh, so I don't want to, you know, over-dramatize it. But at the same time, we are experiencing discomfort. Our schedules are being changed up. Uh, things are being switched around, economy, jobs. And so there is some suffering, and it applies to us this week. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about trials. I want to talk about what we can learn from trials and how do we operate in a trial and what really happens in that. And the first thing I'd like to say about it is this. Number one is this. Trials reveal a tension between sacrifice and blessing. 
Trials reveal a tension between, a, between sacrifice and blessing. And I go back to that question, like, would I do that? Like if, in those plagues in the, in the second century, would I rush in and do that? And I, I wrestle with that. And I don't really think it's a matter of whether you believe in God or whether you're an atheist and you don't believe in God. What I really think it's an issue of is worshiping the wrong gods. And, and you know, even as believers, we can fall into this. I mean, come on, let's be honest. We can fall into a trap of, of worshiping other things in our life. And we know by now that idols are not something. I mean, we, we have this idea of idols being like these images and these, these statues and things that people in third world countries or other places in ancient times worship. But come on, guys, the reality is that idols are in every single culture. Worshiping false gods are in every single culture. And what is the worship of a false god? It's taking something that's not God and treating it as if it is God. And there are so many times, even as believers, we can slip into this, where we take something that's not God and we treat it as if it is God. And it can be something as simple as sports. It could be something like money. It could be something even worshiping our family. It can be uh, something like, like success or, or even dating or a, another person. And we elevate it above God as an idol. An idol doesn't have to be a possession. An idol can actually be a way of thinking that we have that we're unwilling to let go of. And I believe that uh, for many of us, <laughs> excuse me, for many of us, we make an idol out of comfort. And that's why right now in a time like this, we are so upended because it starts to reveal that tension between what we want to live in blessing and the tension of sacrifice. You know, uh, you can determine what owns you by how much real estate it takes up in your life, by how much thought, by how much we go to, to act on it. And I believe so many of us are made of an idol out of comfort. So the question is, are we supposed to, really what you have is two sides. Are we supposed to live a life of sacrifice if we're following Jesus? Or are we supposed to live a life of blessing? And you have people on both sides of that. Like if you are following Jesus, you're going to be blessed. You're going to have all these things. You're going to have all this stuff. It, or if you're following Jesus, you need to sacrifice. You need to suffer. You need to go into poverty. And, and we, we define it in extremes. And I would say anybody who says the extreme and defines it as extreme is just extreme. Because the reality is this. We are supposed to live in the tension of sacrifice and blessing. And I look at it like this, like on one side, you have this treasure chest of blessings when you come to follow Christ. I mean, the grace of God, and yes, even, even, even things that are physical, tangible things come in, in following God and blessing with God, health, and all of those things. And yet on the other side, we have this tension of taking up our cross and denying ourselves and serving other people and following after him. And we live in this tension between sacrifice and blessing. And this shouldn't surprise us. This shouldn't surprise us because if we have chosen to follow another king, the authority of God in our life above every other authority, there's going to be friction at times in our life. And this, this is what it's talking about here in this scripture. It's not necessarily talking specifically about what we're going through right now. It's talking about following Jesus and the tension that comes from that. But there's going to be friction. In fact, Jesus talked about this. It's amazing because there's a, there's a mirror between a lot of things that, that are said in 1 Peter and what Jesus said. And one of those is found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. And, and it says this, 
Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. Thank you for that scripture, right? And utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And again, this is talking specifically about persecution. uh, But you can see in this scripture, it talks about this tension of sacrifice and blessing. And it defines blessing in a weird way. Here's the thing about that word blessing. The the translators have, have trouble with that word blessing because we think blessed as a Christian word. We use that a lot of times in our circles. Oh, I'm blessed, you know, be blessed, to be a blessing, all of those things. But when it was originally translated, it was actually a, a worldly term and it meant the ecstasy of the gods. And so the Greek translators didn't really, they didn't really know what to do with this word uh, as they were, the Bible translators translating it. And so they just went ahead and used this word blessed. And it's the word makario and it meant the ecstasy of the gods. And what it really means for us as Christians is the happiness of God. And so it's, it's saying here that we can have the happiness of God even as we walk through trials. That's supernatural though, okay? And so when we go through trials, it reveals the tension of sacrifice and blessing. Point number two is this. Trials have a way of purifying your allegiances and really removing distractions, allegiances and distractions. But to go for this point, I'm going to have to go somewhere, take you someplace to illustrate it, just like Jesus illustrated his sermon. So let's go there. All right, so behind me is my garden, and it's, uh, it's a problem right now because it's got weeds all in it. It's, it's not really ready for spring yet, for gardening yet, because the weeds from, from last year are still like overtaking it and stuff. And it reminds me of a story that Jesus told us, a very famous passage of scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 13, verse five. It says, some fell on stony places. He's talking about seed that's been sown. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of the earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them out. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So I want to deal with the stony ground, though. The stony ground, if you skip on down to Matthew chapter 13 and verse 20 and 21, it says, But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a, for a while, for when tribulation, for when a trial comes or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. That word tribulation is a Greek word called phlipsis, and it, it literally means persecution or trouble even. And we all know what it's like to be in trouble. We can all think back at times in our life where we felt that sinking feeling of being in trouble. Like me, when I, I uh, accidentally fell asleep at my girlfriend's house when I was still dating her, now my wife, I woke up in the middle of the night on the couch and I'm like oh my gosh I drove home as fast as I could just as my parents were waking up and my dad was waking up for work my mom had actually stayed up all night that's trouble okay and I reminded when I was a kid when I accidentally accidentally hit my brother with a hockey stick as hard as I could swing it 
that's trouble. We all have those types of trouble. We all know what it's like to be running late, to have the pressure of trying to provide for a family, to uh, deal with relationships, um, all this pressure that comes in life. Raising kids, all these things are pressure that comes in life. And so you may be saying, yeah, I've got this pressure. I've got the trouble. I'm going through the trial. It's hard for me to follow God because of the pressure, because of the trial. The problem is that's, that's not what Jesus was talking about when he talks about this stony ground. Let's look at this again and see what kind of pressure he's talking about. It says in Matthew 13, verse 21, Yet he had no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises, watch this, because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Because of the word. If you stumble because of the word, it's not even talking about the pressure. It's talking about the pressure of the word of God on the inside of us. So during times of trial, during times of trouble, we, something is, we're going to find some things out about ourselves. And we may not like what we find, but we have to deal with what happens when these things are surfaced. And the thing we've got to answer is where are our allegiances? Is it to the things of this world? Is it to comfort? Is it to our, our normal routine in life? Or is our allegiance really to the Word of God, to the ways of God? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 15 and 16 says, But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, again, it's defining this, not because of all these things that happen, not even because of sin, but, but as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Persecution trouble, trials, really brings clar clarity to our mission and it brings, it, it really exposes our complacencies. And so we're going to find some things out about ourselves during this time. And so this is a good time. Those of us who are at home, all the sporting events have been taken away. School is on hold right now. Some of us, are work, our jobs are even on hold right now. And all of the things we would normally do, this is a good time to take inventory of our allegiances. This is a good time to take inventory of our distractions. When, we, when everything goes back to normal, don't just assume that everything that was in your life needs to stay in your life. As you build these things back, it's a great time to find out where you really stand. And, and there's really two types of people in times of trial, those people who lean away from the things of God and those people who lean in. That's good soil. When you are that type of soil, that's when God can do something. See, on the inside of my house, we've started some seeds. And we've done everything we can to make sure that it's good soil. Man, we've got the lighting right. We've got the, the soil is just right. We've got heat at just the right temperature to produce good things. That's what happens when we clarify our allegiances, when we lean into God's Word. That's when He can do what He needs to do in our life. So let's look at point number three right now. All right. Point number three is this, trials give an opportunity for supernatural rejoicing. If you remember, verse 13 started off and it said these two words, it says, but rejoice. But come on, guys, isn't it hard to do that sometimes? I mean, let's just be real. It's hard to rejoice when we're going through a trial. It's hard to rejoice when there's amount of pain in our life. Some of you guys may not know this, but a couple weeks ago, I went through a surgery. I had a hernia surgery. I had to miss church. I hated missing church. I had to miss baptism week and all of that. Uh, but I had the surgery and I was there on bed rest and I was in pain. And, and there I am the next day after my surgery. I'm sitting there and I'm scrolling through Facebook. And what comes up on my Facebook? It's a sponsored ad for, uh, for lawsuits 
for people who have had hernia surgeries with mesh, which was exactly what I had had, about lawsuits and, and how if you've had that and they can fail and you can sue people. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what I just had. I didn't even Google this. I, so how's this Facebook getting my information? I, I've got Siri turned off on my phone, but is, the, is Facebook listening to me? I mean, talk about kicking you when you're down. I'm sitting there scrolling through that and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, how discouraging. And that's exactly what Satan will do. I mean, when you are going through something, he'll do everything he can, surprise you and try to kick you when you're down. And it's hard to rejoice. Leading up to that, I I was believing God for healing so that I wouldn't even have to have the surgery. I'm praying for people. People are getting healed, supernatural healing. And yet I wasn't getting healed. And and there's a moment where I'm like, man, God, I'm seeing people getting healed, but I'm not getting healed. And and God just kind of convicted me and said, rejoice with those who rejoice. But let's be real. The hardest thing to do when you're going through a trial is to rejoice with those who rejoice. And one of the reasons is, is because I believe we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people. And so we look at our situation versus someone else, and it's not always easy to rejoice. Maybe we're comparing ourselves not even with others, but with a past version of ourselves or a future hope for ourselves. And, and the present is hard for us to rejoice. And, and, but we have to be honest about running the race that is before us. We all have a unique race that we are called to run. I remember uh, a few years ago, I was getting ready to go out and run. I like to run, and I, and I decided to change it up. And I decided I'm going to pick this very unique spot. There was a particular crack on the sidewalk that I was like, okay, this crack on the sidewalk is going to be my starting point for what I'm going to run. And I weaved through the city, and I ended up at a weird spot that I was going to stop at. And so I ran that a few days And then one day I got up and I said, you know what? I am going to run this as fast as I've ever ran this before. And so I lined up on that crack and I, man, I treated it like it was the Olympics. And I just, I ran as fast as I could and I wove through the city and I stopped and I looked at the time and sure enough, I had ran it the fastest I'd ever ran it before. And in that moment, God revealed something to me. He said, actually, I had this thought and I just had this thought. I thought, man, I just set a world record for that race right there. I just set the, I own the world record for that race. And it was true. No one, to my knowledge, has ever ran that specific track as fast as I have because I created it and it was unique. And God revealed to me in that moment, he said, your race, your life is just as unique as that track you created. There's not one person who can run it any different or can run it faster because it's your race. And so you can set a world record every single day. But we have to be honest about where we're really at. We have to examine ourselves. So let's continue. First Peter chapter 4, verse 17 through 19 says this. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. In other words, we got to start with ourselves, guys. And, it, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. We are called to be different than the world at times like these, but especially at times, at all times, but especially at times like this. And so even, even as we look at our situation, we look at the trials that we're going through, we have to see the beauty even in the tension. 
And we see this even at the cross, even at the suffering of the cross where Jesus is suffering on the cross. And yet we see this is where, where the sacrifice and the beauty of God come together. Watch this. Um, I was going to speak on Easter and Kim asked me what I was going to speak on. And of course, she was only asking that out of politeness. She figured I would say the resurrection of Jesus. It's Easter. And I said, I'm going to speak on beauty. And she looked at me with such frustration. She says, What? And I said, yeah, I'm going to speak on beauty because really, if you look at the scriptures, um, the human story is the interweaving the tension between tragedy and beauty. And what Ecclesiastes says is that God makes all things beautiful in its time. And it tells us in the scriptures that we did not uh, consider Jesus beautiful. We considered him um, hideous and that we saw no beauty in him. And yet the scriptures also tell us that Jesus is the beautiful one. And I think it's interesting they had this interweaving between beauty and tragedy to the very end of Jesus' life. And then you have this, uh, the, the consummate tragedy of all human history, the death of God, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And in the world's greatest tragedy, you have the greatest moment of beauty. And it's interesting now, even generations later, thousands of years later, people wear crosses, not as a declaration of tragedy, but really as... Um, um, uh, a metaphor of beauty and when we think of the cross it actually becomes um, a declaration of hope rather than of despair and, and, and it, it, does, it shouldn't surprise us that God brings this moment where tragedy and beauty collide and they in a sense crush Jesus on the cross he's crucified buried and then raised on the third day and it's it's the most profound declaration that out of every tragedy, God will create beauty if we will allow him. And that's what I love about the, the romance of the cross, that in our greatest act of violence, God was executing his greatest act of love. That where there was the greatest moment of despair, God was giving us our greatest hope. When the hate of the world was exercised in a moment, the love of God was unleashed to us in that same moment. Uh, the cross is where the interweaving of tragedy and beauty come together and can never be separated. What a powerful message. Let me wrap it up with this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Let every, uh, uh, let every word that be for building up. What a powerful thought. We are called to be light in the midst of the darkness. And even in the trial, we live in the tension of sacrifice and blessing. But, but even in that tension, we can still be light in the midst of all of it. We are salt, we are light, we are called to shine bright. What if we saw this moment where it, we didn't see this as an opportunity to spread fear or doubt or tension in the sense of fear for what's coming? But what if we saw this as an opportunity to be online missionaries of hope? What if we saw this as an opportunity? What, you know, that, that scripture says, let every word. What if we let every text be a text of hope? What if we let every post be a post of hope that we post on social media? What if we are the light that shines bright in the darkness? That's my prayer for us right now. In fact, let me pray for us as we get ready to close. God, we thank you so much that even though we can't be together in person, that we're together in one spirit in unity, seeking after you today. 
Lord, we just thank you right now that you are moving, that even in the times when there's a tension and there's a struggle, that we believe that when there are dark times, the light shines brighter. And I just pray, and I continue to say, we are carriers of your presence. Let us be carriers of this light every single place that we happen to go, every text that we send, every post that we make, every smile that we give. Lord, we wanna be light in the midst of the darkness. We thank you for equipping us and empowering us. Let anyone who's discouraged during this time be filled with encouragement in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you guys for being with us today. I encourage you guys to check us out online. Stay connected with the 411 on our website. Uh, stay connected at, on our YouTube channel, on Facebook, wherever you're at, and share this message with somebody who needs it, okay? And, and I know we can't be together. I'm looking forward to that day when we can be together, but I want you to know your pastors, your ministry leaders are praying for you during this time. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next time.